Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Countdown to Kickoff. I am your host, Anthony Denmark, Denmark Like the Country, a.k.a. Copenhagen, a.k.a. Denny. And this episode is brought to you by EatDrinkSleepSports.com. And since sports never stops, since sports never sleeps, that means we always have something to talk about. And since Mason's back, heck, I'm back, you're back, let's go ahead and discuss the latest happenings in the world of college sports. Let's get it. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to Countdown to Kickoff. Again, I'm your host, the one and only, Anthony Denmark. Denmark like the country. And ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans of all ages, we're that much closer to the start of week one of the college football season. And although I do not love college basketball, I definitely do like Somewhat, somewhat, and I know, like I said in past timings, I said that you know March Madness is like the appetizer, and college football will and continue will always be the main course. But nevertheless, this appetizer has been quite appetizing thus far. So on tonight's show, I figured, of course, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about March Madness. We are now at the point of the Sweet 16, only two rounds until the Final Four. But, of course, I'm going to do it with a spin because, of course, on my show, we focus almost primarily on college football. And since we have a little over 100 days until kickoff, of course, we will discuss spring game expectations and thoughts and analysis and things of that nature. But we're going to put a spin to the Sweet 16 participants. We're going to look at some of these Sweet 16 participants and not – particularly focused on the success that these teams have experienced on the hardwood, but look to see how that team has fared on the gridiron. Because I want to ask, evaluate, and try to get a deeper understanding of, is it possible for your team to not only just be to contend for a conference championship or actually even think or dream or aspire to win a national championship. But, of course, you know, in order to get these answers, we call on people to help gain insight. So that's what we're going to do. So we do know that right now in the Sweet 16, We have Kansas, we have Kentucky, we have Baylor, we have Oregon, we have South Carolina, we have Butler, we have Wisconsin, we have Michigan. Michigan, (laughs) y'all. But all those teams, of course, we're going to evaluate later in the show. But what we're going to talk about specifically is I want to talk about Kentucky. And I don't want to talk about Kentucky's basketball program. I don't want to talk about the men's dominance, the women's dominance. I want to talk about the other guys. Our theme of our show tonight is the other guys. We want to see how difficult it is for them to be able to try to get some shine. Is there only room for one big man on campus or 
is it just destined to be the other guy? So to talk about Kentucky basketball as well as football, let's go ahead and get our caller on the line. His name is Zach Oaks. He writes for SB Nation covering the Kentucky Wildcats to get some answers to some of these inquiries that I just have on my mind. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Now, of course, we do know that right now we are in the heat of March Madness. We have two games until the Final Four. We know Kentucky is always there doing its thing, both men's and women's. However, at this particular yep. time of year, you know, uh, you know, Mark Stoops and the football program, you know, they kind of get lost or forgot. How is it on the UK's campus for the football program during this time of year? Well, um, yeah, I think the I think the football program can benefit a little bit from the basketball program and vice versa. Um, you know, you bring in you bring in recruits. Um, a lot of football recruits come in. Mark Stoops will uh, take them to Rep Arena for a basketball game uh, during the season, and so I think uh, I think they can I think they can benefit one another. And John Calipari has brought recruits to football games before, so um, and those two have a good relationship. And I think that's key for any athletic program. Uh, if you want to have success in multiple sports, I think you, I think your coaches have to have a relationship where they can see, uh, they can see mutual benefits from uh, working together. Like I know, uh, after uh, after a couple of games this year, John Calipari would send a text to Mark Stoops, and uh, Mark's talked about it multiple times. Said he's always been like that. Said he's been a great friend to me ever since I've got here. And, uh, you know, after Kentucky beat Louisville this year in the regular season, the regular season finale, uh, you know, John Calipari, you know, immediately uh, hopped in front of some video cameras and started praising Stoops for uh, creating hope within the football program. So, uh, yeah, like I said, I think they can be mutually beneficial to one another, uh, but it just takes it just takes each of them uh, learning how to work with one another and not having too much of an ego and, uh, you know, working side by side to create, you know, positive things for each of their programs. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Zach Oates. He writes for SB Nation covering the Kentucky Wildcats. Now, you know, one of the things that I find almost, it seems like a perfect marriage. <clears throat> because when you look at Mark Stoops, right, he's always kind of been known as the other Stoops. You'd be like, not Bob, not Mike. No, no, the guy that was at Florida State. Bad guy, and to a degree, it seems yeah. that he's kind of fit in perfectly at Kentucky. Now, of course, one of the things that I've seen differently at Kentucky thus far is they have definitely made a commitment to winning and financially towards the football program. Tell my listeners a little bit about how things have changed in regards to the Kentucky Wildcats' commitment to the football program. They got a new practice facility up and everything. Okay, yeah, on the practice facility, uh, you know that you know that's state of the art practice facility. Uh, you get some people. You, there's been people that have came in there and talked about it and said it's probably it may be one of top, one of the ten best or fifteen best in the country. And to compete in the SEC, you have to have that. Uh, you know, some people say you know you don't have to have this you know multi million dollar practice facility, but you look at all the top programs in the SEC and across the country, and they've got practice facilities like that. 
So uh, I think it's a great recruiting tool. Uh, of course, you not both know to compete in the SEC, you've got to have uh, top-notch recruiting, and the players really like it. Um, so I think it, I think it just shows that commitment to the program. And uh, Mitch Barnhart and UK's president Capaluto, uh, they've both shown a commitment to do what they can to help football take the next step. Ever since Mark Stoops has got there, I believe that was one of the things that. Um, Mark Stoops was drawn to Kentucky for. I believe they. I believe they told him that they would make a commitment to make the program better if he did his part. They would do their part. So I think. Uh, All right, now. I think that's been big. I think it's been really big. No, no. Of course, we do know that famously, you know, Allen Iverson said made a big deal about talking about practice. But right now, practice is all that we have to talk about right now until uh, week one of the college football season. Uh, we do know that around the country, spring practice has already begun. I do want to ask you first, how is Barker doing uh, in regards to his recovery from his back end? What are some of your thoughts about this uh, quarterback competition? I mean, is it already signed, sealed, delivered? Is it Johnson's job already? or? No, I don't think it's Johnson's job just yet. I think he's going to, he's going to have to compete for it. Uh, Johnson showed a lot of potential last year, and he did some really good things. Uh, and I think I think he'll be even better this coming year now that he has a year of uh, experience under his belt. Barker, I, I know he's been throwing some in practice, uh, and he's done had some participation in team conditioning drills. But he's not been cleared for all practice activities yet, and I think that's kind of holding him back a little bit. But I think if he if he recovers well. Uh, he'll compete with Johnson for the job. Right now, I think Johnson has the leg up just because, you know, he finished the season well. But uh, if Barker's healthy, I think he could contend for it. Now, I remember when I had you on the show uh, during the start of the season, and we uh, pointed out specifically last year, we pointed out specifically some things that uh, Mark Stoops had to do to keep his job. And thus far, he checked all those boxes. Although he did not beat Tennessee this year, uh, he did uh, uh, finally accomplish becoming bowl eligible. And uh, he has done a remarkable job in regards to recruiting. I mean, my goodness, that pipeline to Ohio has been remarkable. As well as uh, being able to shore up the defense. I mean, my goodness, his class was definitely light years away compared to uh, what Mark Stoops brought in uh, his initial year. Now, what has been your impression? What would be your grade for him thus far? And what has been your impression in regards to uh, what he's done on the recruiting trail? Because it's been nothing short of remarkable. Well, grading Mark Stoops is uh, it's kind of a tough task. It depends on how what kind of criteria you want to grade him on. Uh, his first three years, you know, his first year, I think I think his first year was actually decent. Com- you know, when you put it in context as to what he had to work with, you know, a lot of folks in the program said that the talent when uh, in Stoops' first year was the equivalent of, you know, an FCS level team. So to win, just to win two games, you know, it seems disappointing, but he, there was there was some bright spots there, and so I think that was good. Now the second and third years were kind of eh, so-so. I mean, you start off with five wins and then lose, and then you know struggle throughout the season, can't get that elusive sixth win. So, uh, you know, it's kind of disappointing there. But now last year, last year I think was a really good year. If you take out the debacle they had against Southern Miss and then, you know, 
the just terrible showing against Florida. I mean, outside of those two games, I think they played really well throughout the season. Um, In terms of recruiting this class, uh, you know, I might go out on a limb and say this might be Mark Stoops' best class he's pulled in. Uh, You've got guys at a variety of positions. Uh, He recruited really well along the line, along the offensive and defensive lines. Uh, And a lot of top-level talent that, you know, in years past wouldn't even consider Kentucky. You look at guys like Josh Pascal, Javante Richardson, Lynn Bowden, Lonnie Johnson. Some of those guys would have never even gave Kentucky a a look a couple years ago. And Danny Clark, too. Danny Clark was a former Ohio State commitment, a quarterback committed to Ohio State, was committed to Ohio State from the time he was like a sophomore in high school, decommitted, and then besides he's going to come to UK as an early enrollee. So, I mean, uh, look at some other guys, Tyrell Ajan, Joshua Joshua Ali, uh, Yusuf Corker. I mean, the list goes on and on of guys. Three- and four-star level talent, but, you know, Jordan Wright, throw that one out there, super athletic defensive end. Uh, I, th- I think this recruiting class is one of the be- is probably the best one Stoops has hauled in during his time at Kentucky. Absolutely. Again, I'm on the line with Zach Oaks. He covers the Kentucky Wildcats for SD Nation. Now, of course, one of the things that I find as a, a unique trend, if you'll bear me for a moment, is I noticed that ultimately it seems as if when Ohio State started recruiting more nationally, that it kind of opened up the floodgates for Kentucky to be able to further uh, establish a recruiting pipeline to uh, Ohio. And it's definitely a yield of tremendous dividends. Now, with spring practice here, we've got to know about names. Now, we do know that Boom is now about to eventually get selected in the draft. Who are some names that you should be look- should we be looking out for during spring practice? Who are you looking out for? Well, uh, you mentioned Boom, so he's gone. So the running back position is going to have uh, is going to have some spots to fill. I mean, obviously Benny Snell is going to come up and be your number one back. You know, for, at times he was at times he was the lead ball carrier last year. Uh, outside of him, I think you're going to see a lot of Sime King. Uh, he's got a lot of speed, like Boom has. Probably not quite as strong as Boom was. Boom was deceptively strong for his size. Um, King probably isn't quite as strong, but he's got the, he's got that next level speed that uh, would be a good complement to Benny Snell. Now uh, you look at a couple of other positions. The center position, I think, is going to be a key one to watch. And I know that's not the most you know uh, headline drawing position to watch, but uh, John Toth was a four year starter for Kentucky, and he's graduated now. Probably going to be you know, probably a third, fourth, maybe fifth-round pick. Uh, I think a couple of guys to watch there, Bunchy Stallings, uh, he started a couple. He started several games as a guard last year. Uh, he'll, he could move over and start at the center spot. We have a redshirt freshman, Drake Jackson. He's a, he, played high, he played high school football in Kentucky. Um, he was a center throughout high school, was an Army All-American. Uh, so he could see some reps there. It's kind of hard to – tell exactly which way they're going to go with that. But, you know, Stoops and uh, credit to John Schlarman, the offensive line coach, uh, they've really done well at creating a lot of depth on the offensive line and creating multiple rotations that they can bring uh, different guys in to play different positions. Like Stallings, for example, can play guard and center. 
Jackson can play both guard and center. Luke Fortner is a guy that has been brought up by the coaches. He uh, he didn't get a lot of run time last year, but uh, coaches kept saying during the bowl prep that he's been one of the standouts, so he could see some time. Uh, let's see on the wide, wide receivers. That's going to be a that's going to be a battle too. Um, you know they're going to be replacing Jeff Bedette, who uh, who's transferring, uh, leading receiver from last year. A guy that I think you got to look out for is Taven Richardson. He's a big receiver, like about six foot three. Uh, played well against Southern Miss, and it was just kind of up and down from there. But uh, he could see some run. He could see quite a few reps at the receiver spot. We got some good freshman wide receivers coming in. Um, you got, let's see, I think uh, Cleveland Thomas. He's uh, he's been an early enrollee and he's been making quite an impact. Uh, I think Eddie Grant actually said that he was kind of like Benny Snell in the way that he approached the game from a professional mind point. So um, you know, I think I think you could see some freshman guys step up at the wide receiver and defensive line. Uh, defensive line should be interesting to watch. We've got a new position coach there in Derek LeBlanc. Uh, he's got a good reputation for uh, you know improving the conditioning of uh, defensive line players. So I'm expecting to see guys like Adrian Middleton, TJ Carter have big years. TJ Carter kind of had a, he played in the bowl game against Georgia tech and had a pretty good turnout there. So I expect to see him, uh, expect to see him step it up. And then the the battle for the nose guard will be interesting. Um, Matt Elam started as, as the nose guard last year, but uh, Nequez Pringle kind of took it over about midway through the season and Pringle played really well there, so I'm interested to see uh, how that rotation goes, how much uh, how much they use Pringle versus how much they use Elam. Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that I always say is one of the elements you're able to ultimately able to initially identify when you see a program steadily improving is you start seeing guys transfer. Now, of course, you did mention Jeff Bidette. Jeff Bidette, of course, was the leading receiver from last season. He uh, had over 670 yards receiving last year. Now, of course, I'm sure Big Blue Nation hates to see him go. Uh, but last question, where do you see him ending up? I mean, is he going to go from one Stoops to uh, another Stoops probably? Oh, it's so hard to say. Um I think I think Jeff's got a lot of options out there. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of teams that would love to have his speed on the outside. Uh, he's not he's not he's not very big. I think he's about six feet tall, but uh, he has he has incredible speed and he, he's quick off the line. Uh, pretty good hands, uh, good route runner. I, it's hard to say where he actually ends up, but. Uh, you know, I expect him to see him. I expect to see him playing at a a top level program next year. I'm just not sure exactly where that's going to be. Absolutely. Now, of course, we do know that when you do experience success, when you do have improvement, expectations rise. And so, of course, it's definitely going to be an interesting story to follow uh, Mark Stoops now, because now people are going to be talking about Dark Horse SEC East. A division champ talk is going to begin. I want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I definitely want to have you on again uh, when the season starts, when, of course, the football program finds itself uh, taking uh, center stage yet again. Sure thing. I'd be glad to come on anytime.
Absolutely. Now, of course, one of the things that's often interesting, like I said before, the focus of our show, we're going to be talking about the other guys. And programs like Kentucky, and programs like Arizona, and programs, of course, like Wisconsin, and programs like UCLA and Michigan, oftentimes a program, or in the case of Michigan, the basketball program, finds itself being another guy. Now, if in fact this is your first time listening to my podcast, I, for one, have a strong passion for shows and movies and things of that nature, so oftentimes find a way to conveniently slot a clip in or there, here or there, uh, to try to uh, tie in my topics. So check out what we got. Dancing in Highsmith's shoe, driving sexy style, the rock star. Then you got your jokers, your ball busters, your vets, and the other guys. Dancing in Highsmith. So, with Kentucky, you have a program, you have a sports program that's pretty much the face of the program is the basketball program. And although, of course, they've experienced tremendous amounts of success, one and done after one and done, Elite, elite Eight, Final Four appearances, and national champions, it makes it very hard for football programs to try to get their just due. Now, of course, it was very remarkable this past season to see the Kentucky Wildcat football program finally be able to take the next step in becoming bowl eligible. But with that in mind, you have to say to yourself that oftentimes it has to be very frustrating, especially times right now, where you see that the fans and the passion and the pageantry is oftentimes almost completely committed to one particular program. Although I didn't get a chance to ask that question, I did want to ask and pose and ponder, and I guess I could ask you guys this question. With everybody so excited about the upcoming Sweet 16 matchup between UCLA, I just wonder, how has that affected attendance at the spring games? Now, of course, in most college campuses across the country, spring game attendance is free. Of course, we do know that the spring games and programs like Alabama, Florida State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, they'll pack the stadium. I just wonder how frustrating it is to be the other guy. To be the other guy who, of course, has worked hard, sweat tears. I mean, in the case of the Kentucky Wildcats football program, has made tremendous strides. I mean, it was a tremendous accomplishment for them to finally be able to finally go bowling after it eluding them during the Mark Stoops era. But then I found myself looking at the participants in the Sweet 16. And I see teams like Florida, which, of course, was bowl eligible. And I say to myself, in this particular situation, I guess you could say that the Florida Gators basketball program, despite winning back-to-back national champions, has almost become another guy. I see teams like Arizona, which, of course, there was that one shining moment where they had found themselves participating in a BCS bowl game and found themselves, excuse me, not in a BCS bowl game, but a New Year's Six bowl game, excuse me, 
And although they did not win the Pac-12 that year, it seems as if they were able to at least experience if it was not just for one shining moment, then that was quite short-lived. As it seems as if the Arizona football program, as it reached its height, the decline back to mediocrity, the gradual decline back to becoming an afterthought, almost happened inversely as we saw the Arizona basketball program begin its expected ascension back into national promise. I just wondered, for those guys on the football program in Arizona with Rich Rod, of course you're going to support your brothers. Of course you're going to support your other fellow program within the college institution. But it has to say that it has to irk you just a little bit. When you go and attend the game to support the basketball program, and you look around to your left, you look around to your right, you look around behind you, you realize you have no elbow room at all because the, the stands, the stadium is packed to the rim. In the case of Arizona, Olsen Arena is packed to the rim. However, when you are practicing or when you are participating in a spring game, in the stands, and instead of it being packed, you see that there are plenty of gaps, plenty of empty seats, and you have to say to yourself, where's the passion? Where's the love? I mean, shoot, can't we get some love too? Nevertheless, it makes you wonder if, in fact, these football programs at college basketball schools are aware of the circumstances. Two, do they appear poised to try to find themselves striving to change the narrative and find themselves being the one program at that institution reigning supreme? But nevertheless, you know, it's difficult. You can't do it by yourself. It takes a commitment from the university. It takes a commitment from the boosters and the athletic program to funnel in money to the football program just as much as they just so passionately do for the basketball program. And, yes, it is quite remarkable to see that, you know, some so-called basketball schools have have begun to make that commitment. Programs like Kentucky in an effort to try to keep Rich Rod in Arizona, they have also attempted to make those big strides. However, when you go to another Sweet 16 participant in Lawrence, Kansas, the Kansas Jayhawks, you see that the athletic director appears content with how things are. There have been no announcements or expectations of them constructing anything to show any type of commitment to the football program appears as if the fans in Lawrence all but have forgotten that football is played in Lawrence. And the thing that's interesting is that you know that winning in Lawrence is possible. Mark Mangino did it quite remarkably. But again, like when I made my reference towards Arizona football team, it seems as if 
Kansas' ascension to relevancy when it came to football was something that was quite short-lived. But like I said before, you have to ask yourself, when these young men sign on these dotted lines, they, of course, are aware of who the king of. But, again, you have to say to yourself, it has to be quite frustrating and furiating and downright maddening to see that the level of commitment that's been made to the basketball program has not been made to the football program as well. But we do know that ultimately commitments come through winning, and although the facilities, although the may lack or not even be present at all, we do know that boosters spend their money when they, in fact, see that there is a product on the floor, on the gridiron that lets them know that there is a purpose in regards to them being able to make such tremendous donations to that prospective program, football team. We saw that at Duke with David Cutcliffe, after spending so many years, decades, it appears in the shadows of the Duke Blue Devils basketball program, that after the boosters and fans saw that David Cutcliffe had made a commitment to trying to bring in players who, of course, would be developed and be able to produce wins, that we saw that the Duke Blue Devils Boosters decided to make such commitments to that football program. However, we do know that ultimately it begins with wins and losses, which, of course, is what decides hirings and firings, raises, and everything else in between. So as we get prepared to watch Kansas, as we get prepared to watch Arizona, say to yourself, ask yourself, to those passionate alumni at these prospective universities and institutions of higher learning. Be sure and save that passion for the fall. Realize that these young men who decided to come to these institutions work just as hard, if not harder, and are just as worthy of the praise and allegiance that you give to the basketball team they also are worthy of it on the football field as well. But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, we're definitely going to see what's happening, and we're definitely going to see what's up. Now on to other topics of conversation. One of the other things that happened two weeks ago that I found quite interesting is Sidney Jones, who was a projected first-round pick in the draft. He had pro day at Washington. This guy, of course, had more than justified his ranking as being one of the top five cornerbacks in this upcoming draft. His film left very little to question. His pro talent was definitely unquestionable. However, you know, he had to go to the pro day. And during the pro day, he unfortunately suffered an injury. He suffered a torn Achilles, painful injury. And although, according to tweets, he has already tweeted out that, in fact, after surgery, that he expects to play some point during the NFL season in his rookie year. Ask yourself this question. Oftentimes in life, we do know that every action has a reaction. 
every incident has a ripple effect that ultimately ends up not just impacting that one particular individual, but may impact the sport overall. During bowl season, Leonard Fournette decided not to play in the bowl game. One, because he was injured, and two, because he didn't want to risk further injury, which, of course, could have hurt his what? Draft stock. Christian McCaffrey, of course, also followed suit. A gentleman from Baylor, the running back, also, in addition, followed suit. And people, of course, either applauded. Charles Walker also from Oklahoma followed suit. While others, of course, looked at the decision with disdain. And I bring up these two situations because I wonder now, of course, at the start of each college football season, each season starts with 188 college football programs with 108 players on their rosters, all fueled by the drive and passion to possibly not just go bowl gaming, but to win Heisman's, to win national championships, to gain a claim to also boost their draft stock. With players now having to ask themselves once that season all but comes to a close and realize that some of those goals are no longer in reach, them now pondering if, in fact, they should play. With the latest incident with Sidney Jones, you have to also ask yourself, will players now, or hell, will agents now, because let's be real, where a player is drafted also impacts how much money an agent's going to get paid. Well, players now bypass working out at pro days. I mean, if you got the film, if I performed already at the combine, I mean, there's only so many different ways you could do a backpedal. There's only so many ways you could do position drills, the same drills that you did at the combine, the same drills that you did for three years in college. There's only so many ways that you can do these things and it not look the same. When Jalen Smith injured his knee in the bowl game two seasons ago, Tim McCaffrey took notice and said thanks but no thanks to the bowl game. With Sidney Jones now injured and his draft stock all but decimated, now he may, of course, find himself getting selected at some point in the draft, but it's highly probable that he will not be selected anywhere near where he would have been selected if, in fact, he did not get injured. So his Achilles, you have to say to yourself, what will be the ripple effect of that? I mean, this thing about it, it really makes no combine where I did all the position drills. If I did the 40, why do I need to do those same drills at my pro day? At the end of the day, it comes down to having to protect your asset. You have to be able to protect your money-making abilities. In track, it's it's your legs, so you rest, you fatigue. And the law, just preparation and also giving yourself breaks in between to prevent a burnout or 
prevent anything crazy from happening. And in football, it's rest. The NFL, when seeds have already been decided, pro teams have rested, not only to try to recharge, but also to be able to try to avoid injury. So to these young men who have now finally made it to the point three years after high school where they could finally get paid to play, if there's any time that you need to protect your asset, which is yourself, which is your body, if you survived three football seasons, if you survived the combine, bowl games, training camp, spring practice, fall practice, then what more else do you have to prove? I mean, what more else do you have to prove? It's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch unfold. Now, of course, I'm more than sure that Sidney Jones is going to get drafted. I'm praying that my Steelers draft him, please, please, please. We need cornerbacks. But we will not be able to determine the impact of the Sidney Jones injury on pro days until next year. But it's just something that I want you guys to think about. Because if you finally made it to the point in your life where you're able to provide for your family, things to mess it up. That means no drugs, no hoes, no sliding in the DMs. Nothing incredulous. Nothing that's going to bring up red flags about your character. And you know what? Deciding to preserve your body, yourself, after you survive three years of practices, games, and bowl games, and combines, I think that will be a pretty wise decision. So we're going to see who's going to make that decision next season. Would it be your guy? And when your guy makes that decision, let's say Rosen from UCLA, or let's say Rudolph from Big, from Oklahoma State, or let's say Joshua Sweat, the defensive end from Florida State, what will you say? Will you understand the reason behind their decision? Or will you judge and dismiss all themselves for finally thinking about themselves? as opposed to thinking about everybody else who's used it and made monetary gains off of their blood, sweat, and tears. But again, as I say in life, as I say in sports, ladies and gentlemen, we're definitely going to see what's happening. And of course, of course, we're definitely going to see what's up. Now, one of the other things that oftentimes finds itself becoming a story during the so-called off-season is Jim Harbaugh. I love the summertime. Although the stadiums are empty, although there is no tailgating going on anywhere, we know that Jim Harbaugh will almost promise to make the summer a memorable one. If it's for this week, he defended his former quarterback, and Colin Kaepernick, saying that he's a winner, saying that he will win titles, defending him, of course, after the President of the United States, call him out. Same week, 
he's promoting his peanut ad for peanuts. Oh, and of course, if that was not enough, Jim Harbaugh, of course, doing shout out for Bill B for Jim B line in the Michigan basketball program. I know football fans right now is tough. Right now you're trying to figure out what to do, how to kill time. Nothing's just as enjoyable as watching games or preparing to watch games. But you know what? Enjoy March Madness. It's the appetizer. And realize that with each day, with each minute, with each second, with each hour, which day, let's say it again, with each day, with each hour, and each second, we grow that much closer to the start of week one of the college football season. Until then, we'll get answers to questions. Till then, we'll find out about stars. Till then, Jim Harbaugh will definitely provide us moments to talk about. I want to thank Zach Oates from CM Blue, from SB Nation, from Menard, to talk to us about these other guys. And I also want to tell you guys again, For those who share the passion toward March Madness, remember that there's spring practice going on. And the same passion that you share for the basketball team, be sure you bring it to the gridiron. Talk to you guys sooner rather than later. Stay tuned to sports. I know I will. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to Countdown to Kickoff. Our show airs live every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If, in fact, you missed the show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast by typing in count and the number two and down, one word. While you're at it, make sure you also follow the latest happenings in the world of sport with us at Eat, Drink, Sleep, Sports, and the number two. And you know what? If you've gone that far, be sure and check out our website for the latest happenings as well at eatdrinksleepsports.com. Till next time, college sports football fans, stay tuned. I know I will. Peace.